Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Startup Diary podcast. If you're brand new here, this show is different to our normal scheduled recording. I'm actually getting interviewed by Lee Wilcox, the CEO and co-founder of On The Tools. He has his own podcast called How's Your Week Been? It was a load of fun being on the show. We talk about everything from pizza choices, quizzes, to the mistakes I made raising money. I know you're going to enjoy it. It is episode seven of How's Your Week Been? Seven? Seven. No Can way. you believe it? Seven. No. The podcast where we get super interesting people from the business world, have a good chat to them about their previous week, talk about Whipcoin, get pizza orders, talk about them, uh, what they cannot live without, and do a nice cheeky quiz with them, which yes. Dan... My friend on my left, I'm Lee Wilcox, CEO of On The Tools, a media marketing agency uh, based in the Midlands. To my left, I have Dan Lucas. Yes, I'm a video producer here at On The Tools, making some fun, funky content, which I love. And uh, <laughs> did that sound genuine? <laughs> no, it sounded really but the I opposite. Do love it. Uh, uh, he's, having, yeah. he's busy at the minute, isn't he? He's a bit stressed. <laughs> he's, been a, he's been a bit sassy. He's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's fine. It's all good. But it's good to be I busy. Am. Good to be busy. Good to be busy. So uh, today we have a guest um, by the name of Adam Callow, uh, the expert trades founder, frontman, all-round business guru, uh, the startup, the startup diaries podcast founder as well. The geezer's on it. Um, Dan, play the jingle. Say hello to Adam Callow. Like it. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Say jingle. hello to Adam Callow. See how I rhymed hello with Callow. Yeah, it was good. good yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I tried. Um, so, Adam, I've been how's your week been? been? <laughs> oh, Don't wow. you interrupt that part. <laughs> <laughs> I've been silent up until now. I like, like breaking the wall. <laughs> You did break it uh, right at the point that you didn't. I know uh, to the point know. that I shouldn't have done yeah, it. Yeah. I know, I know. It's all good. I, I apologise. Uh, don't go deducting any coins off me. Can you tell I've listened to the show? Yes, like, I'm aware. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? There you good. go. There's a bit of reference. You're currently at the top of the leaderboard <laughs> with no score at the moment. I like it. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. well played, Albert. Yeah. Um, week's been a bit interesting for me so far. To be honest, so yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually going to be drinking with my left hand. I've got a can in front of me for those that are listening instead of watching on YouTube. Uh, because when I drink with my right hand, it makes me look really fancy. So. <laughs> <laughs> because I've, I've, uh, I've got a, a splint on my little finger. Oh. So, uh, yeah. Week's been an interesting one so far. What have you been up to? Um, cage fighting, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so uh, last Friday, I, uh, me and Dan Harris uh, from the Band of Builders, we... We did a charity MMA, ultra-white MMA event. Uh, so, so far, we've raised about £2,500 for Band of Builders. Amazing. Uh, stepped in the ring and uh, enjoyed it. Came second. Not bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> out of two. Out of two. Uh, had, had a guy who's uh, yeah, a bit of a unit. Enjoyed it. I heard he was massive. He was a bit of a yeti, wasn't he? Yeah, you said the word yeti when you dropped yeah, your Facebook message. I was like, yeti's a really good way to describe him. Yeah. Uh, but out of everything, <laughs> like, the, the moneymaker, the face is perfect. Yeah. Uh, the only th- the only thing that hurt was my little finger all night. And we had a really good drink afterwards. And I kept telling people, like, my finger really hurts. And they're all like, get some more drink, Tanya. And then went to Sainsbury's Pharmacy the next day. I was like, can I get some bandages for that? So I just thought I'll tape it together and give it some like relaxation. And the woman looked at it and went, go to the hospital. I'm like, what do you mean? She went, go to the hospital. It's not meant to be bent like that. Oh. So I went back in. I thought I'd broken it, uh, but uh, I've got a snapped tendon. Uh, so it's going to be like that for about eight weeks. That sounds oh, even wow. worse than a break. Oh, yeah. That's what he said, actually. Yeah. He said you prefer it to be broke, so we could have put a pin in it uh, and straightened it out, and then it would have been fine. Uh, but snapped. I know, yeah, it makes me feel queasy. Uh, <laughs> and I forget I've got it, so like I'll tap and then I'll scream. So or clap. I'll, I'll, to I'll, yeah. Some sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll produce like clap. Like, oh, I completely forget I've got it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's sort of the highlight of the week so far for me. So been fighting basically. Been fighting. How's how's expert trades? Good. Yeah, really good. Uh, so we're. Actually, I'm not going to be the bullshit answer, to be honest. Uh, stressful, okay? I'm not going to PR myself here. I think we're going through an interesting stage, and you've been through it. Like You've gone through different growth cycles. I think we're at this interesting point now. There's 12 of us in the team, uh, and like we're having to like break the company a little bit to bring some, like I don't want to say mid-managing, because it makes us sound way more corporate than we are, but we're having to bring new people in with a bit more experience <laughs> than we used to. Because we've sort of 
brought people in and trained them up. Uh, but we're now at a point of business where we're trying to bring the new people in the middle, and that's proven really, really difficult. One from hiring, like we're in Tamworth, like you're in Tamworth all the time, <laughs> and it's just really bloody hard. Uh, but secondly, from like a culture thing, like me letting go and giving people more responsibility, I'm I'm personally struggling with. Uh, so that's we need to get from like twelve to eighteen, and that's going to be the problem. Yeah, it's hard. I'd let like letting go is it is difficult. Like mm-hmm. it is. I think it's difficult for everyone, but particularly if you've been you know putting everything into something for so long, and then you've got to start giving up the reins on it. It's, it's like it's difficult. I still struggle with it now. Like hundred percent, it's hard. But um, yeah, I mean, just for the listeners, what is Expert Trades? Ad. Yeah, so uh, we're trying to build the largest community of trades professionals in the UK. Uh, we class a trades professional as an accidental business owner. So they're amazing at what they do. They're like uh, great at fitting radiators, boilers, electrical units, whatever it is. Uh, but they sort of stumble into becoming a business owner. So we're building a platform for every trades professional in the UK to sort of sign up to and run their business from. So short term, we've got stuff like websites and an app to do quotes and invoices. Uh, the big vision of the company is every product that's bought, uh, whether it's directly from a brand, if they're going direct to market, or through a builder's merchant, they'll open our app up. They'll put a quote to a customer and we'll show them the best product at the best price at the best time and get that product to them. So we'll start making uh, a little bit of commission on every product sold for every uh, every home improvement in the UK. That's what we're trying to build. Big vision. Big vision. Yeah, big vision. Smart, uh, though. Yeah. Dream Smart. big. Dream big. Dream big. But more importantly, though, <laughs> <laughs> um, we like to know about your pizza order. <clears throat> because uh, oh, I forgot about this bit. This is where you're going to start winning. Oh, if Jamie manages to actually order it, <laughs> uh, I found out this morning I'm still not being refunded for the one that didn't turn up. So our whip coin is um, our how's your week been coin, and you can uh, amass coins uh, with good answers, and maybe on your uh, pizza order and a quiz later on. But it can also be taken away. Okay. Uh, Question: and, I mean, who, who gives the points away for the pizza order? We both kind of do. Yeah, we can, okay. yeah, we he can. is very stingy mm. with Whipcoin. Okay, I'm going to you. Yeah, dishes him out <laughs> like sweets. Really nearly just yeah. like, hey, guys, oh, oh, you ten. spoke. Well done. Who's the point? <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it, it is all on this uh, first order of pizza of what what you usually go for. I mean, it's what you're going to have now, or what do you usually order, or like is uh, this gonna, it will be? Will it be the same? So. I completely forgot about this, to be honest. So I don't often order from Domino's. So when I do, I'm going to be honest, my wife orders because everything that I order from Domino's is wrong. So <laughs> I just always get it Genuinely, I always get it wrong. Uh, Minus coins. <laughs> <laughs> Minus coins for admitting that on the mic. Yeah. Like, this is the wife just chooses. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I remember seeing an advert. Uh, our developer uh, at Expert Trades is from Catalan. And I'm like 99% sure that there's a there's brand a new... One. new Catalan pizza from Domino's. And it looks really good. So out of respect... I'm excited he is about there that. You go. So out of respect <laughs> and allegiance to my CTO, uh, I'm going to go with the Catalan uh, on the basis that I can be extra cheeky. and I'm gonna, yeah. I, I might lose points for this, but I don't care. Uh, but if I have Domino's, I have to have the cookies too. Otherwise, I just oh, don't feel satisfied. <laughs> I saw you pass your car first, across. First, but yeah, you freak. This is because, so usually, me and Ad, if me and Ad go out for, for food anytime, Ad likes to play um, Agree. The, the card roulette. All right. Uh, and he's lost both times, the last two times we've gone out for food and he's been stung with it. So now he's just one getting... One of them was a fucking fortune. Yeah, one of them was a rock. Oh, naughty one. I was well glad because the cards got boots. across. I thought I'm gonna get some of my money back here. So, so. it's the first person that's uh, like upsold the order with like cookies. Do. I'm I'm down. I'm down for that. And it's it's more points as well. He's got yeah, one for is. his order. Yeah. And the fact that we're gonna get cookies. As yeah, well. I agree. Cheers, Two points. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I've also heard from previous shows that I need to keep track of my own po- my own points because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we yeah. go. We had the producer laugh then. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm make. Struggle, I can yeah. see now that I need to beat Mr. Morehouse on 15. I mean, I was, he, he did do a good job, didn't he? Go came close last week, but that was really because you two were just dishing points out for like willy nilly. I, 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 I need to get right. him in that mood. So you are um, a busy man at the minute, taking a lot of sort of extra steps to grow the business, and um, you know we spoke a little bit about expert trades. Um, but one thing I did want to cover off was from when I first met you, yep. you sp- I think we were like, I don't think we got to the point where we were looking at investment necessarily, but we definitely spoke about it internally. And, and I remember going for dinner with you and you were like, 
giving me a fucking horror story of... Was this of, in the Indian? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I remember I, mean, that I came out being like, oh my God, like, never take money from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you had a bad... Of your fir- with your first raise that you went through with VC, you had a, a pretty bad experience from it, didn't you? I think, I think where, where I'm coming from with that is when you raise money you raise money with the best intention in the world and you just think everyone's aligned and they sort of say, actually, yeah, we believe in your mission. Uh, there's some money to go and scale it. And we raised it because we're trying to build like a tech platform and to get the money back from that, it takes a really long time, like a really long time to get money back at eight pounds per month per user. We're not going to make any money doing that. Like the big vision is a three, five, 10 year thing we've already spoke about. But they'll say all the right things up front and 100% I know that my VCs is going to be sent this or forwarded this, but that we know we're on the same page. They know where I stand right now is every time you take money, uh, you have to make sure that the expectations, not just of what the vision of the business is, but the time frame that you're going to execute on that in, uh, if they're not aligned, you're going to get yourself in a shit ton of pain. Uh, and that's what I found, um, whether it's from raising C capital or VC money, is unless you're super aligned from day one, within six months, we're having disagreements. And that takes so much energy away from you as the founder uh, that you just don't have time for it. Uh, so I learned a hell of a lot raising money in the first co- in the first place. How do you know, though, what... Um, because it's a face value thing, isn't it? At the end of the day, like you, and you're in a position where you're asking for money, someone's going to give it to you. But how do you know? Like you must have thought they were aligned 100%. and then found out along the way that they weren't. What would you have done differently in, in, in that yeah. sense? Like how do you... How do you how do you get to the nooks of, of really finding out what people are going to do before you've got into the relation? You, there's yep. only, you can only test it by doing it, can't you? Kind uh, of. I think, uh, I think one of the faults is my own because I'm a salesman at heart. Uh, always have been. Uh, so I was always really focused on selling the vision of the business. Like I know where I want to get the business to, and I don't know if it's going to take us three years or 20 years to get there, but I'm like strapping in and I'm here for the ride. Uh, whereas I think because I sold the vision so well that they obviously thought, well, this guy knows what he's doing. He's going to get there fast. And I didn't say I was going to get there fast. I just know what we're trying to achieve. I think one of the things that I did very poorly is a bit of DD on them because like first time founder, when someone's giving you like six figures, you're like, ah. Oh, it's a lot of money to me back. Oh, it's still a lot of money, but it's a lot of money. Uh, so you go, okay, let's get the deal closed. Let's move on. So I wanted to get on with building the business. But I think biggest mistake that I made was taking the first opportunity in terms of if someone offers you money in a normal sales process, I'm going to put more dogs in the race. I'm going to try and actually either increase more money for the same valuation or give them less equity, whatever it is. I'm going to put more people in the race, but I didn't. I sort of said, great, you've offered me a check. I'll take it. Uh, secondly, I didn't do my DD on them. I didn't go and speak to any investments that they'd made. So go and speak to other founders in their portfolio. If it's a VC, like go and learn more about that company because what happens when you raise money is they come and sit on your board, you speak to them every four weeks and you get to really understand exactly what they're like within three to four months. So go and speak to someone that's gone through that process with them because they're trying to sell themselves as much as you're trying to sell yourself to them. Yeah. And that's where the misalignment came in. And I always think about this, it's that, that thing of like, if someone... I think you really find out about partners when shit goes wrong and how that then gets reacted to. So like, you know, our journey, you know, and I'm sure you can sort of jump on on this as well, has been rather than like a straight line, has been like boom, 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 like bouncing off walls, 100%. running into them, yep. either going through them or bouncing back, getting up and being like, shit, that hurt. Like we shouldn't have done that. Yep. You know, let's do something else. But if you've then got a partner in, involved who's chucked a lot of money in, whether that be at seed or whether, you know, it's it's someone else's money ultimately. And their reaction is different to your reaction of something going wrong. Yep. Straight away, there's a conversation to be had and then probably another action to take from it that you're probably going to have different points of view on. Yep. And it, and again, it's that thing of like understanding how people are going to react to something because shit's all, it's always going to go wrong. No matter what plan you're going to pitch to someone, you're going to go, this is what we're going to do. And then six months in, you go, what were we thinking? This was a stupid plan. But we've we've learned this, this, and this, and now we need to go here, and we're, it's going to be fine. Or like we wasted a hundred grand doing that, and then other partners look at that and go, "That is, uh, you've had a shock. Out like this was the plan. You should be doing this." Or even if you find a load of information from what you've done and it was wrong, um, they might again like look at that information and go, "Well, no, that's not what should be done." And, and quite quickly, you could be in a position where thought you were okay to fail 
which you need to yep. in order to move forward. But actually, there's no room for failure. And and actually, if you see, if if I think sometimes what I've from what I've learned from talking to more people about it is that a few failures and you've almost lost the um the longevity of whatever you were going to plan so like then it starts being like well no this needs speeding up now you need to pull back yep. x y you know we need this money out now and i guess that's like that thing isn't it of the longevity of whatever the vision is how do you how do you plan for it the dd stuff's really good advice isn't it and, and looking at what they've already invested into and i think i think anyone that's if someone's listening to this right now and they're like i'm thinking about raising money uh you have to understand that a vc is putting money in uh, they've got money from other people. Like they've got a job at the end of the day. They're managing so, it. Yeah, they are literally managing someone else's money. So they are having someone ride them for returns. Uh, and I think that's one of the lessons that I learned, which sounds obvious, uh, but the VC gets money in, they manage it for someone else. So they're having to report back on how that money's getting uh, sort of like delivered into the market and how it's being managed. Uh, so they've got a hard job to do and I fully appreciate that. Uh, I think probably one of the... The biggest lessons that I've learned from raising money is, actually, let's get really honest. The first six months were completely my fault. Like first time founder, never raised money. I just became a fucking yes man uh, to my own board. Like before that, my board meetings existed in a Weatherspoons with our, my first seed investor, who I got on with extremely well. We went and had a beer. He was like, show me the profit. I'm like, there you go. He's like, great, get more of that. Great. Went on, sold more stuff, built the business. Uh, VCs care about different metrics to what I'm used to. Uh, so they care about stuff that doesn't necessarily relate to a, a solid uh, a solid business, to be honest. Like they care about like monthly active users in an app. Well, that doesn't get your money through the door. Uh, they care about actually how many people are in the community. That necessarily doesn't bring the money in the door. But as I grew the business and I've got like 10, 12, 12 people in the team, I, I, I kind of got really risk averse because I'm like, I can't just spend all the money on trying to grow the monthly active users if I can't monetize it. So I've got 12 mouths to feed over there. Yeah. So I think like the VC wants you to grow very fast and aggressively. And I get that. They've got, because just the way their mechanism works, they need you to get to a silly valuation relatively quickly so that you can get an exit. Whereas I'm like, well, I've got 12 people salaries there and I, need, I want at least three to four months money in the bank just so I can know I can pay my team. So that's when it really started to cause problems. Because I was saying yes to everyone around the board because I think, okay, we've got non-executive directors now. They've all got their own opinions. And I go, well, they're all smarter than me in theory uh, because they've all been very successful in their own right. But you have to understand is when people put money into your business, they're investing in you because they see something in you and you can execute on it. Uh, so you have to take all the feedback in and go, great, guys. I appreciate your two hours a month, but the reasons that this isn't going to work is because of A, B, and C. So I'm going to take your feedback and implement it in my own way. Whereas the first six... 12 months potentially I didn't I was like yeah great idea let's go do that and then spent some money failed at that and that pissed them off because it was a failure and it pissed me off because I took their opinion when I knew it was wrong but I was just a yes man so I think if anyone raises money just make sure that you stand your ground because they've invested in you and they're only aware of your business two hours a month so first 12 months my problem and that caused a lot of friction I'd actually say the last six months we've kind of gotten on the same page to be honest uh, and that's, that's interesting yeah uh and that's come from the fact that, uh, as <laughs> fucking hell, this is getting serious. Uh, <laughs> and that's come from the gossip. fact, <laughs> motherfucking gossip. <laughs> that's come from the fact that I kind of know what I, I kind of know what I want and what I'm willing to risk, and not just what I'm willing to risk. I'm actually prepared to communicate that out loud, in terms of like uh, moving the office from Birmingham to Tamworth. Why? I got really tired of the commute. I didn't want to make up some excuse to the board about A, B, and C, and this is why we need to move. Uh, just really being self-aware and putting on the, ca the cards on the table with the board and like, here's where I am. Uh, I want to be happy in my job, and I'm not happy right now with the commute, so I'm going to move the business to Tamworth. <coughs> cool. Uh, so the last 12 months, I've just got very transparent and just to the point where I feel like I'm just going to be me. They've invested in me, and if they've got a problem with that, they should pick it up with me, but I'm going to run the business my way, uh, and if they disagree with it, fine, speak to me. Uh, but I'm not going to be a yes man just because you've given me some cash. Because in theory, you give me that cash because you trust me to execute on it and deliver your return. Uh, that's like the, the transition I've been going through in the last 12, 18 months. Probably the best bit of advice I can give to anyone that's thinking about raising money <coughs> is uh, just because someone gives you money, it doesn't mean that they know your business better than you. It kind of means they don't know. Okay. 
it kind of means that they're an armchair investor and they can't build their own business, so they invest in other people's. So don't forget, as a founder, you're doing something that's new. Uh, people are investing in that, so have the self-confidence to deliver that through. For 12, 18 months, I completely doubted myself of what I can deliver in this in my business. Uh, and if I carried on down that path, we would be out of business right now, 100%. Mm, getting in the real talk. <laughs> <laughs> to be a section of the podcast, real talk. Real talk. Um, yeah, great advice. Um, you made, and, you've made me very sassy within like fifteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just prodding him a few times. Exactly. So you had a, uh, a bit of a bit of a sticky patch with your uh, investor. Talk about it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it's interesting because you were saying then about you know uh, stupidly you know uh, which is obvious with VCs to but I think the the, the problem is with 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 raising money and, 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 and actually, you know, like you said, you were like new founder, went in, yes, man, but you've not done it before. So why would you do anything any differently? And, and it's that thing of, of if you are going to raise money and, and, you know, we've not done it and I still don't, you know, there's bits of it where I'm like, what the fuck? I don't understand that. I don't understand how that's valued. I don't understand why I can't even see the value in that business. I don't get it. But like you said, there's metrics that VCs, that private equity look at in completely differently than what a high net worth would or someone who actually wants to invest and be involved with it. And there's, 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 and there's so many different ways it can all be skinned in terms of your shareholders agreements and what can happen from that and loop. And it's hard. And yep. I, I sort of don't envy anyone who really needs the money in order to make their business work. But equally, you shouldn't be scared of raising if it's going to be right for the business i guess it's that due diligence part isn't it again of like really trying to take your time on on who you're getting into bed with and and you know how that works 100 percent. i think a lot of businesses need the cash because uh, especially in i'd probably say that the tech age that we're in in terms of like social land grab tech and building community like a lot of that takes years to actually monetize correctly so you can build a team around it um i think to get to your point around VCs want something different, a lot of VCs are trying to get you to the next round. Yes. Whereas I think what happened with me is I was on that treadmill and I, I, I call it the VC treadmill, which is when you take cash off someone and just to be really clear, like I fully appreciate and empathize with the VCs we've raised money from because they've got a job to do. They need to push me the way they're doing it. They're doing their job really well. I just needed to, to sort of bang heads for 12 months to, to get us all on the same page. I know. Did you, did you start there? Thank you very much. But when you step on the, when you step Watch on. Watch your pinky. <laughs> I'm really aware of how we're drinking that kind of beer right now. Uh, but when you like step on, when you raise money from anyone, you're stepping onto the treadmill and you're basically making a commitment to say, uh, by taking VC, I'm going to raise and grow very aggressively and increase the metrics that sound counterintuitive. I'm going to spend loads of money just to get eyeballs in my app, which will then allow me to get to the next round where I raise at a higher valuation and take more dilution. <coughs> and that sounds really exciting. If someone's listening to this, they're like, that sounds what I want to do. I want to do that and raise a round and raise a round and raise a round. But I kind of wanted to step off the treadmill 18 months ago. And uh, I feel sorry for the VCs that put money in because I'm like, actually, what I signed up for that fitness program on that treadmill, I kind of don't want that anymore. What I want is to be able to build uh, solid uh, foundations of a business and then choose my own destiny. I don't want to go and have to raise money all the time. I want to make sure that I can build my team, build my lifestyle around what I want, not what the metrics would suggest that I need to go and do. So that's where it came in. It's probably majority my fault to be st to start with because I changed how I wanted to build my business. Uh, but I think when people listen to this, raising money is... Not that round there. That round is really easy. Raising money is relatively easy. Uh, but it signs you up to a lot more than what you expect. And you just need to be aware of it. I think not enough founders speak about that. They speak about, great, I've just raised a £3 million valuation, a £10 million, £20 million valuation. And you go, great. That's all like monopoly money. Like, it doesn't make a difference. Like you've got built a great, great team. What's the fundamental business behind it? Uh, and that's what I'm trying to make sure we get right now. I think there's a, a lot of celebration in, in businesses raising money mm -hmm. over making profit. Agree. Um, which I still, I do get it, but I only get it if you want to be in and out. Mm -hmm. I don't get it if you're actually trying to like grow a business to stay in it and, and I guess eventually make it profitable because there's that thing that said, oh, we've raised, oh, we've raised again. And they're like, look at these businesses, but they're not, they're like, hugely loss making with with like a 
fucking less than 50-50 chance on whether it's even going to survive. And yep. I'm like, why is that being celebrated over someone who's, who's able to make 100 grand mm-hmm. profit? It, making a fucking quid is hard when you're trying to build a business. Oh, and, then, and then that doesn't seem to be celebrated. It's an odd world. We live in where there's valuations that d- prop up from like, like, look at Lyft. Like, what... I, I still don't understand how it's raising money and and like, I don't get it. I, I, it's going to fail, like it will die. But then there's there's rounds and rounds of millions and millions of pounds being pumped into it. And I, I don't know. And it's got to be people behind that going, I just need to get it to that point and I'm all right. Yeah, and that's all that's happening. It doesn't make any business sense for it to still be like operating. 100%. It's like investment <clears throat> arbitrage. It's We don't care about the P&L. Like yeah. we just care about the users because we know if we get a hockey stick graph of users, uh, we can get you to the next round and we can get our money out of, of a multiple. And then, which is like someone towards the end is dead. Normally, like the market because the IPO. Like normally, the market yeah, yeah, takes yeah, yeah, the brunt yeah, yeah. of it. Like it hits the stock market because it looks good, uh, and they they sell a load of shares. Everyone takes loads of cash out, and the market will eventually take the hit. So punters like me and you that invest two, three, five hundred quid in some stocks and shares will eventually take the hit on those businesses. Get really deep now. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel about the stock market now? Um, so uh, to, uh, the man to my left, Dan, is uh, a seasoned radio DJ. DJ, DJ. Back in the day, DJ. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. Uh, no, uh, just uh, and um, Ad runs the Startup Diaries podcast. Yep. Uh, you, which you started what? Three, three, two and a half years ago now. So why did you start the podcast? Um, so start the podcast largely because I actually left my old job because of podcast. So I always knew I wanted to sort of be an entrepreneur and that all like sounds very buzzwordy now. You're like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I was raised in a family where uh, my dad was just like Del Boy. Uh, like he was just a wheeler dealer. Like he was always buying and selling. And I always liked the idea of making my own like destiny and choosing what I wanted to do. Uh, so start, I was like, I'm never going to have to do that. So I'm just going to work my way up to become a sales manager and sales director. And that would be my path. And I actually met a guy called, and I love him to bits. And he had to listen to this. He, he knows I love him. But I went out with him one day and he was like at the peak of his career, a guy called Matthew Palmer. And I was like, great, in 20 years, I could be there. And I, I was looked at him, I was like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to work and be the top of my career and be there. Uh, so I started listening to podcasts to try and educate myself in different ways that you can build a business, how you can potentially raise money. Because I knew what I wanted to do, but I was like, that's not going to make money for like two years. Like, I need to build this thing. So that educated me. So then I started the Startup Diary because... I wanted to sort of like put back into the the podcast community and share what it's really like. So I think there's just so many podcasts out there which sort of like celebrate the wins, the unicorns, the billion dollar exits, like all the how how great it is to be a startup entrepreneur. And it's not great. If you're listening to this right now, I'm telling you, it's not what it's all cracked up to be. Uh, so what we tried to do is put out a show that was just honest in terms of like it's it's a roller coaster, it's highs and lows of what building a business is like. Uh, so that was the that was why we did it to start, uh, and the reason we do it now it's like therapy for me. <laughs> it's generally like therapy. Motherfucking VCs. <laughs> I had that rant last year, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I actually had that rant and then sort of sorted my life out around it. Uh, so yeah, uh, but it's like therapy for me because it it forces me to look back on the week uh, and sort of because every Friday we do a show where I talk about like what we've done that week, what I've learnt. Uh, what I'm struggling with so uh, and the co-host Harry's been like a best mate of mine for like 15 years so they get real honest conversations uh, and then in between that we listen to like uh, well people email in and we answer listen to questions and it's like if we can't help I go and find someone in my network that can give me some advice and then we, we drop that on the show cool beans I love it <laughs> um, next though we're going to do a quiz so really this is your quizzes deal, it's going to be fine honestly so I'm on seven web coins so far Seven? He's fucking making he's his shit isn't he? He's just <laughs> adding two points every time he says anything. Well, no, I do it like that, so I'm going to remember the ones oh he's on five. See what you mean? Just do whatever you want, mate. So it's uh, you five ten. questions, and it's kind of stuff uh, that's been happening recently. Oh, no, I'm so bad at this. <clears throat> but it's fun stuff, so it's okay. So, so what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm going to ask you the question, and if you can just do a, a straight-off guess for the answer, uh, you'll get two points. But then I'll give you multiple choice. And then you just get the one point if you get it right. Okay, cool. So you could get ten points. Correct. <laughs> oh my! One point for you. <laughs> yeah, where's my points? More house, I'm coming after you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so recently, the world's most expensive car was unveiled at the Geneva Motor Show. Who made the car? What? 
Oh, who made the car? Um, well, what make is the car? I'd rather get multiple choice. Okay, so you can okay, either have I'd rather get multiple A, choice. Porsche, B, Bugatti, or C, Rolls-Royce. Oh, my, like my head's saying my head's saying Bugatti, but I'm going to go with I'm going to ah, oh, I'm going to go with Porsche. I'm gonna Porsche go. should have gone with your head. It's Bugatti, it was Bugatti oh. with the Le Voiture Noir, which I believe is the black car in French. Uh, sold for at least just nine point five top. million. That's the problem. I've just watched Top Gear and uh, in their new, I don't know if it's called Top Gear anymore, it's not, it's Grand Tour. I'm not sure if you can say it. Oh, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> and it's, uh, and they, they had a Porsche on there which was like an old, it's like 40 year old Porsche and it sold for 14 million. But it's an old car. Yeah, so yeah. Swayed my, uh, swayed so, my thought process. Damn question it. two. <clears throat> London Fire Brigade has urged members of the public to use common sense before dialing 999 after receiving hundreds of calls from people with what difficulty? Uh, no idea. Okay, is what, it A, choice, me? pets up trees, B, trapped in toilets, or C, stuck children? C. <laughs> oh, it was B. Oh, you People trapped in toilets. People are fucking morons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really are. I really like the way that's always worked. Just stuck children. Stuck children, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not happy right now. I need to get some points. Oh man! Okay, so okay. number three: a Belgian <laughs> champion long-distance racing pigeon was sold at a record amount recently. What was he called? <laughs> <laughs> was it A. Armando, B. Hercules, or C. Tintin? Without you giving it away, if you had to choose one, what would you go with? Um... <laughs> <laughs> What are these tactics? <laughs> I'm going to poke him uh, I would probably, I, I mean, if I didn't know the answer, I would guess it Tintin. Cool, I'll go with A. A, Armando? Yep. It was A, Armando. Yay! I knew you'd go for the exact opposite. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we got some points. So, And he sold for uh, £1.07 million. Pounds for a pigeon? For a pigeon. Wow. Okay, number four. Big fat pigeon. <clears throat> In the next Bond film, 007 will reportedly... Reportedly, I'll start that again. Uh, we'll reportedly make. Uh, I don't think you did any better. Than no, no, I didn't know. <laughs> so cut this bit. Make a note there. <laughs> so the mask sound better. In the next Bond film, 007 will reportedly make. Uh, <laughs> be making. Be making an eco-friendly change. What will he do? Do you want to just guess at this one? Or do you I'm want the options? I'm going to say that he's going to be driving an electric car. Oh shit! Yeah! Mind your finger. <laughs> <laughs> Two points. That was a terrible high five there as well. We uh, yes, he's going to be driving <laughs> Aston, Aston Martin Rapid E, uh, which uh, retails at two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. There we go. Wow, I'm two points there. That's really good. Uh, the mayor of which city has set out to debunk what he says is a culinary, culinary, fuck, culinary, culinary myth that has uh, that a popular international dish. Fuck. Can I just guess the city now? Will yeah. I get four points without even finishing the sentence? Yes, Leicester. No, oh, you prat. Um, give him, give him the, uh, give him the. Is it a, three chances? Bologna, spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> so uh, lots of people say that a dish originated in a city, yep. but this mayor of the city says it didn't, and okay. so there's debunking it. So was it a Bologna spaghetti, spaghetti bolognese, B Kiev for the chicken Kiev, or C Hamburg for the hamburger? Got to be Hamburg. Wrong. It was oh. Bologna for spaghetti bolognese. It's just wow. simply known as ragu in Italy. Wow, okay. And they, ragu. And they mostly have it with tagliatelle. Wow, okay. So I, I'm go. okay. 12 points isn't bad. 12 points? What are you making <laughs> Skis is just... So, seven, mate, you're on. Am I on seven? Seven, yeah. Seven. Okay. Because you're on five, you've got two points then, and you got that one question right, which you doubled up for, which was good. Well, was yeah, really right? good. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. I got the other one right as well, when I guessed the bird's name right. I'm on eight. Oh, you... oh yeah. Like... Yeah, sorry. Come on, lads. Jamie. Um, Considering during that bit, Jamie, all you've got to do is make sure that we can't look. <laughs> it's a bit grim that you, that you got it there wrong. There should be a chance, though, for you to double your points, uh, like Justin Morehouse did, yep. by asking us a question, yep. if you can think of one. Uh, for double or quits. So the quits, can I just clarify this? Oh, because okay, what yeah, I yeah. usually do is when, because everyone just fails at this and <laughs> gets it wrong, um, I take the points back off and put them to zero. Dan gives them more, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, but, so are we saying that he can keep his eight points? Yeah. So where's the uplift for us? I don't understand. 
Well, I.e., if, if you get it wrong, here's a good one. I'm on, I'm how about I'm this? On your, I'm on your how page. How about right this? Now. How about this? Yep. If you can ask us you a question that's cookies. a three, that's, yes, that's it. You lose your cookies you too. Oh, I, I, <laughs> okay, I've got one for you. Are you doing it? Yeah, I'm doing it. Okay. Oh, shit. Go. It's a really rubbish we question. Can it's a really rubbish question for the podcast listeners because it's a visual one. Based on the fact that I was fighting last week, yep. how many times has my nose been broken in the past? Is it A, zero, and it just looks this way? <laughs> I hope not. Poor man. <laughs> is it B, once... Or is it C, three times? I'm going to just go zero. That's what I want to do. But what, what do you want to do? You I want to go I one? I think you should speak about it. <clears throat> I want to go zero as well. Okay. Zero. It's one, guys. Oh, <laughs> is it? There you go. Get on it. It was done by my brother with a hockey stick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on purpose? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we were at a uh, leisure centre and I was playing basketball. He was older than me. He's six years older than me. Five years older than me. And I was playing basketball and he was playing hockey at the leisure centre and the ball bounced off the hoop and hit him on the back to which he turned around and hit me in the face with his hockey stick and then took me home in a pile of blood. I mean, it sounds like you fully deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't make my layup. That's <laughs> basically that. Shoot better. How many, um, point, how many points am I on? Okay, so that you're makes his he's 16. Oh my god! You. Oh my god! I can't believe it's been that. a pleasure, guys. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna end it, and that's me doing. So, um, I want to I want to uh, move on to the thing that you cannot live without in your working week. As a founder, have you bought this with you? No. Oh, this is. No, no. I I knew about it. Uh, I knew about the question. Oh, <laughs> uh, but. I had loads of things that I do like every week, like my notepad and some of the stuff has been covered off in previous shows and like dongles came up in a previous show. And I'm like, okay, I know that life because we've all got Max around the table and the amount of times I've been in a meeting and I can't present is fairly embarrassing. Uh, I didn't want it to sound like self-promo, so I wasn't going to mention the podcast. But because you've mentioned it, the thing that I cannot live without each week now is doing the podcast, genuinely. Uh, and the way that, like, because as I said, I wasn't joking, it's like therapy for me. Uh, so I, I need to record our podcast. And I don't care if one person or 10,000 people listen every episode. It makes me think about the business. So the thing that I can't live without each week is uh, the podcast because I get to speak to Harry and it acts like a therapy session and it makes me think about what's going on at Expert Trades uh, on a big scale. Um, and it makes me really honest because it's my best mate that I'm speaking to. So that's oddly the thing that I can't live without each week. And I'm now seeing so much benefit from doing that that I'm now going to look and try and get a business coach. Oh God, that was a good answer, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I'm not to give Whip him one me. more point. <laughs> oh, what? You might, <laughs> no, wait, you, of course you're going to... Whip him up. Whip. Oh, man, <clears throat> he's storming into the lead. I'm feeling so good right now. Um, <laughs> I genuinely... <laughs> I'm a bit pissed off about it, to be honest. <laughs> You always go down the middle, don't you? Always go down the middle. I know. As if you thought my nose naturally looks like this. I just thought it was the trick question. I yeah. felt sorry for you when I was saying it. Would I trick you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you uh, about the future of the construction stream and, and sort of how you... Oh, really? How you see the shape of that. So uh, the, uh, <clears throat> let me let me try and go at a bit more of a granular level because it's too broad a question, I guess. But I, I always look at the industry at the you know at the moment and i guess through the growth of the business and still see the the construction industry as being behind you know whether that be just from uh actual well welfare of of the the industry itself um but also from a tech point of view and i guess i guess i'm going down the tech point of view because you know we've got tech in so um how do you see the future of that from one from a um a purchasing point of view and how people because at the minute if you look at how things are purchased it's still very much a a, a real life experience of you know merchants existing and yep. you know a, a huge estates you know it's not like they're small numbers you know um, most of the biggies have got 600 plus it's just you know uh, <sighs> with poor online mm -hmm. capabilities yep. how do you see that changing I guess across say the next two years oh two years uh so I guess one of the markets that you're in that I'm not, so and I assume that with On The Tools, you sort of got like the domestic trades professional as well as the, the commercial, like the grounds worker. So I only know it from like domestic space. Um, I think what we're seeing, sort of what I'm betting on, to be honest, is the value that a merchant drives these days uh, is a lot less than it used to be. 
so traditionally like a merchant's job is we break bulk so we buy 30,000 bricks and we sell them to you at 100 at a time uh, or we offer you uh, an account so basically finance so you can cash flow your jobs uh, I think the role of a merchant's changing and everything that can be put in a box is going to basically get delivered through an ulterior channel in the next two years. There's very few merchant networks, whether it's an independent buying group like Fortis or H&B or something like that, or a national chain like Travis Perkins. There's very few of them that uh, are truly adopting digital. Yet if we look at the way that trades professionals now are choosing to purchase materials, like it's doubling in percentage-wise year on year. So when we first did our surveys, we're looking at less than 1% of people bought their materials online. Now we're looking at nearly 7% of all purchases from our, through our community are buying their, their materials online. doesn't sound like much, but the growth is, is real. Um, so I would say in the short term, in the next two years, there's not going to be a huge amount of difference. I would say you'll see one to two merchant networks try and do it uh, and the first one that emerges and proves it's possible uh, they're not going to be in a race with any other merchant they're then going to be in a race with amazon uh, because there's a lot of brands right now uh, trying to uh, trying to have their cake and eat it which is they're selling through a merchant network and they're also selling direct through amazon under a different trading name the problem with that is it's actually educating amazon on what products sell very well and what price point uh, so sadly, I think we're going to come into a really big pain point in the next two to four years. Uh, my job is to make sure that the trades professional uh, doesn't get squeezed too much. Uh, so we're trying to make sure that regardless of, because where they buy their products from, they used to be really precious about. They used to go, I'll go to that builder's merchant. It's an independent, it's a local. I know John behind the counter. John can't give the deals he used to give away because yeah. the merchants want to become more professionalized, standardized prices across all branches. But secondly, they're getting squeezed on margin because of online players. Uh, so that relationship's going down, whereas the uh, the willingness to buy online, because you have to remember, a plasterer is a plasterer during the day, but he takes his wife and his family out the same as everyone else at the weekend, and he's buying at John Lewis the same as everyone. Like His expectations outside of work are going up, where he's looking at his industry going, guys, I just want to buy online. I want it delivered to the house so I can go into my job. So I think it's going to be a really interesting two to four-year window. I'd say in five years' time, uh, the independent sector, unless they club together, is going to really get like, put under a lot of pressure and potentially a lot of them are going to go out of business or acquired. It'll end up being national v. Amazon and nothing else. The only thing that will be bought locally is bricks, blocks, and sand because Amazon <coughs> doesn't want to touch it because they choose their product categories very well, the ones that they know are profitable, and bricks, blocks, and sand are not that profitable when you've got to put it in a box and ship it halfway around the country. Which That's, is why it doesn't happen at the minute. Which is why it doesn't happen at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Amazon's a scary, uh, scary beast, isn't it? Yeah, oh, scary beast. The, the problem is, is people see it as an opportunity right now in our sector. They think, oh, we can now sell on Amazon. They're just feeding the beast. You know, uh, last uh, was it last year? Or, sorry, in 2017, uh, Amazon bought up um, 80 percent of the UK warehouse. Um, wow, didn't know that. Uh, I can believe it. That was for sale over a certain size. Obviously, not like small bits. Mm -hmm. um, and the, there's huge rumours of a play within construction. And, it, you know, why not? It makes total sense. They can move anything and they can sell anything. So, <laughs> therefore, they're in a better position than most of the merchants. Well, all of the merchants... 100%. All of the merchants. Bar screw feet, but that small building product, so it's just a completely different offering. But if, if Amazon come in and swoop to try and take the, the large building products... Yep. But even for small building products, if you look at something like Birmingham where you can get one-hour delivery on certain products... Like you tell me a trade, trades historically are very bad at planning. Like they don't know what they need then. And if they break a hammer, they need one there and then. So there is always going to be this immediate retail requirement. But if an hour offering is today, like what's it going to be like in three years time? Like if I need a hammer, there's going to be a guy delivering it on a bloody, or a drone's going to, I don't know what it's going to look like, but Amazon's going to solve it. Um, so I think that's a scary world to be in. What we're trying to make sure is that we build the platform that sits on top of that. The one thing that makes me happy is the tradesperson. Like uh, you still need someone to fix your sink. Uh, so that yeah. person's protected. Uh, we're in a whole other battle on the other side of the market of how people like boxed and uh, certain brands are going direct to consumer and dictating prices to the tradesperson. That's my real fight. That's what we're trying to change uh, because like uh, people that started a business, been in business for 10, 15 years, they're being dictated to because people are sitting between them and the customer. And we're trying to empower the tradesperson to basically be able to secure their own business. Yeah. Uh, so the whole industry is going to look very, very different in five years' time. 
I'm betting on it. I'm just hoping we're on the right side of it. I think you are. I think you are. So finally, we like to go for the old six degrees of separation. Cool. Of um, getting Jennifer Lawrence or Tom Hanks onto the podcast. Yep. So we want someone from you who you can suggest that can come on the show and maybe introduces to someone that can introduce to someone else. Uh, so who is your person? So Because I knew this was coming, I literally went through my network and I was like, who do I know? And I don't really know anyone in the film and industry space. Uh, so then I went to the three people that I know that are just extremely well connected. So one of them is my like, solicitor, like uh, the legal guy, because he just seems to know everyone. Who? Higgs. Oh, yeah. Well, Jamie. Jamie. Oh, yeah. Good guy. He acts for us now. Because you introduced Oh, really? Us. Yeah, yeah. He good did, guy. I was with him last week. Okay, very good guy. I really like Jamie. Uh, well, I don't need to do that intro then because you know him. Yeah. <laughs> so Cross him off. Exactly. It's, uh... Uh, and the next one is my accountant. Uh, wow, he's really gone like business service yeah, yeah. side. So there's <laughs> yeah. those two. I thought, really good guys, but probably a shit guest on a podcast. Like, Jamie's probably got some stories to tell. Are you listening, Jamie? And, and the <laughs> I see what I just did there. Jamie's probably got some stories to tell. Uh, but my accountant, eh, fair enough, he's an accountant. Uh, so the third person is someone I got introduced to through a podcast. Uh, just over a year ago, a guy called Richard Chappell. Uh, so he's he used to be, until about three months ago, the marketing director at Gymshark. Are you going to say him? That's who I had in my head. Because, because I just think, every time I'm speaking to him, he's doing something <clears throat> interesting with interesting people, and he probably knows a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy that knows Tom. So uh, I would say Richard, and he would just be a great guest of the show. Like Every time I spend 10 minutes on the phone with him, it adds value. So 45 minutes with him. As long as he doesn't beat me on Whipcoin, I'm well, fine. I mean, <laughs> he might do. So I'd say uh, yeah. Richard C. Okay, so Richard C. is someone that you need to follow up with, with Jamie. This isn't a, an, a, no, 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 a I know this. request. This is it's like a, you need to follow a, up. It's You've a got commitment. seven days. It's a commitment. So I'm with him it. next Wednesday. You know, it's interesting because I knew you were going to Well, I thought you would say him yeah. based on the fact that the first time I... So the startup diaries, I, I took a rare couple of days off. And I was decorating, just moved into the into my house about a year ago, and I was decorating the living room. Um, and I was, I just got my iPhone, I'd never had an iPhone before. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm gonna listen to some podcasts. Like, whoa, 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 sorry, one sec. Yeah, I know, I'd always been Android, so I'd always been Samsung, right? And okay. got iPhone, and I was like, I'm gonna mate. listen to some podcasts, brilliant. And I was like, I'm gonna listen to some business ones, I'm gonna listen to some, you know, like some startup ones or whatever. Found this thing called the Startup Diaries, listen to it. And it was halfway up a ladder and was like painting. And I was like, fucking geezer sounds like Adam Callow. It's mad that is. <laughs> and I kept listening. And I was like, this has got to be him. Like, chopped down from the ladder, got my phone, clicked on it, read a bit more, and lost my shit <laughs> for the whole day. <laughs> Ran Kelly. Honestly, I was like, you won't believe, honestly. You will not believe what's just happened. Started reading more about it. And then on the next one I listened to, it was like, oh, yeah, we've just been ranked higher than Tim Ferriss. And I was like, Oh my God. Texting being like, why have you never told me about this? More importantly, what I was really thinking was, why has this prick never got me on as a guest? It's a piece of shit. We didn't do yeah. guests. Whatever, we whatever. Like- Dead to me. No, but it was really, right. And, and, and that the first one I listened to was the Gymshark one. Uh, when you were yeah. there at the gym, at the you yeah. did an event there, didn't you? Yeah, we did a meetup for, for the listeners of the show. We did a meetup there. Uh, and we've got another one coming up, uh, but we're never going to be there. Have you ever been there? You no. ever, have you ever seen it? The I've event. Seen it. The venue's it. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like, You've seen the building that innovation centre as well, no? across the road from it. They've yeah, it's cool. Absolutely killed it, haven't they? It's cool. That's an interesting topic, though. Like, even if you could, if you get Ben Francis on, that'd be interesting. Oh, I'd love to get Ben Francis on, but so he's I got man to pin down. So if he? you do that, one thing I want to know is: so when when he got moved from being CEO, yeah, I want to know whether that was his choice or whether that was the board, because that's something that I'm like: the bigger that you grow the company, the company will eventually like outgrow you unless yeah. you keep up. So I'm like shit like was that his choice or was that the board's choice or was it mutual like i'd love to know that so if you get him on you just have to drill into that for well me. the next step is getting rich richard c on yep. who will then hopefully allow us to an intro into ben so i'm with him next wednesday you'll get a text off me next wednesday good man i'm with him i trust you to follow up 100 percent. good uh good guest suggestion oh. no doubt give one more coin. A coin yes one more one more final coin for that so <clears throat> you finish up on today with 18 quib coin Wow. I'm really happy with that guy. Yeah. Look how genuinely super happy with that. I'm a bit annoyed about it. 18's too many. It's ridiculous. That just happens. He did us on that question. He's the first person to win on the question for a while, other than Justin, obviously. And he added a few points. So, You've been a marvellous guest. Loved getting into the whole startup um, sort of things. I think you're a knowledgeable individual who I like spending a lot of time with when I can. 
Always get some good ideas from you. Uh, been an absolute pleasure. Make sure everyone listens to the Startup Diary. If you don't listen to it already, you need to. It's like not. You, you see those little bits of knowledge bombs that Adam was dropping there, and he just drops them all all day long through this <laughs> Startup Diary. And as a breakdown, apparently halfway through him. But the, you know, this is it's therapy slash really um, business advice. Um, but yeah, been an absolute pleasure. Um, next week we have uh, CEO of Jungle Creations, Jamie Baldin. Uh, on the podcast that'd be an interesting one someone with who's sort of special co-host with a special co-host of Adam Barry co-founder creative director of On The Tools because Dan cannot be there busy so, guy busy busy man um, so that'd be an interesting one someone in the sector of what we're doing be uh, he's had like just tremendous amounts of growth through the business that he ro- operates through uh, you know Vile Thread and Twisted and some other popular channels like that so be an interesting podcast uh, please be sure to listen and obviously leave a goddamn review on this podcast <laughs> for if we can get 10 um, reviews that all say good five stars i'll be very pleased with that as, yes. a, as a follow-up here's a deal go on is uh, because oh. you guys have treated to pizza tonight which has been sat over there for a god awful amount of time it's probably gonna be cold <laughs> yeah. uh on a future show if you guys get reviews in, 10 reviews in, do a raffle, and I will send that person £50 worth of pizza for them or their family just for leaving a review. So we wow. get, I'm giving back the wow. pizza. So guys, go and leave a review because it has a huge impact on where these guys rank in the podcast networks. Beautiful. There you get, you've heard it first. Get some reviews going on. Uh, choose a winner. We'll choose week. a winner. Thank you very 50 much. Quid, 50 quid's worth of pizza. That's a, a rock of family feast, that is. I was just yeah. trying to weigh it up there. I'm like, yeah, it's like 50 quid there. I don't know. No, two for Tuesday. <laughs> You've oh, been done. <laughs> Still 50 quid? No, it's 50 quid. No, it's 50 quid. It's 50 quid. Uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Um, uh, do we? Do we, Do you want to play his little jingle one more time? I think I he do, deserves yeah, it. Let's do that. And all, thanks for listening, guys, at home. That's, that's what we have to do, don't we? You have to say that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the listeners. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks for the listeners. <laughs> thanks for the listeners. But leave and a fucking review. <laughs> <laughs> say hello to Adam Callow. They're always quite futuristic, aren't they? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm a futuristic kind of guy. I can't speak today. Too tired. Play it out. Play it out. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>